Welcome to Dirty Drinks, where infectious disease and infection prevention professionals get together and talk about everything dirty that keeps them up at night. Join co-hosts Dr. Rick Starlin and Sarah Stream as they talk to other professionals about the dirty things that they think about every day. Welcome everybody to today's episode of Dirty Drinks. We are back with some awesome guests, but Rick, I know you just went on vacation. How was your vacation? It was good. It was really hot. We, I don't think we expected it to be that hot, but it was it was still good to be away. Where did you go? Went to Cabo. I'm jealous. <laughs> it was fun. It was nice to, to not be at work. Yeah. We need those mental health days, don't we? Yeah, there's always uh, stuff to pay for when you get back, though. It's always the, the work just piles up and piles up. So, oh, but, yes. I, but I guess it's still worth it, right? Absolutely. I just got back from vacation, too. Like, yeah, where'd, where'd you go? Today. I went to Tombstone and Roswell. Oh, that sounds awesome. Did you go ghost hunting? We did go ghost hunting. It was tons did, of fun. Did you find anything? We had some good interactions in Tombstone. Yeah. Oh. It's very, all the history there is amazing. Hmm. Did Doc Holliday there? We didn't talk to Doc Holliday, no. But I got to see Doc Holliday's dental tools, his extraction elevator, and a pair of forceps. So I was fangirling over that. Ah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, I get to go to Kearney today because we're doing the NICN conference tomorrow. And Oh, uh, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Mr. President. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> they couldn't find anybody else. They ran out of names. Who's next on the list? Who's who's <laughs> on the list after you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what's going on today? So today we are excited to have on a couple of guests that actually reached out to us to have us up at their a state APIC meeting, and we were both unable to attend as we were on vacation. Um, but our pals from Minnesota are on the show today. So we have Eric Hillskin and Mandy Halverson on. Awesome. Welcome, Eric and Mandy. I think our listeners are going to think we're always on vacation, if that's the case. We have to come up with another reason why we couldn't go. Oh, um, I was working really hard. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great to have a, a guest from uh, outside of Nebraska. We certainly love that. And we keep saying we're going to take the show on the road sometime. So we will definitely have to visit. Minnesota is a place we could actually get to without an airplane. So that works. Absolutely. So um, Eric, we'll start with you. Do you want to give us a little bit of your background and how you got into IP? Yeah, thank you, Sarah. So my name is Eric Hilskin, and I am a registered nurse by background. I have a little over a decade in nursing and coming up on the two-year mark into the infection prevention world. Um, so I work with Essentia Health in north central Minnesota. So I kind of serve more of a rural infection prevention background or, or function right now. Um, I do combined employee health and infection prevention roles, as most of us rural IPs do. So kind of a unique perspective on things compared to a lot of the 
IPs that are in the greater metro area or Twin Cities area in Minnesota. Um, so I really got into infection prevention like a lot of other people did. I, I kind of stumbled into it from the nursing world. Uh, in, in more towards the end of COVID, I was getting very burned out. Um, I have an ICU background and was working a lot of 12 hour straight night shifts. And uh, I needed some day shifts. I needed some normalcy in my life and not to be fighting my circadian rhythm. And I've always had an interest in science and biology and microbiology and just kind of general nerdy things. So when the infection prevention position opened up, I'm like, hey, I think I can do that. And classic Dunning-Kruger effect, what you don't know very much about, you're very confident in. So uh, I decided to apply an interview and they very graciously gave me the opportunity. And ever since it has been like drinking from a waterfall, but I'm very happy with this position and this career. And I've been very, very happy and pleased to find such a great community of people in the infection prevention world. I truly, in over 10 years of nursing, I've never seen anything like what I see in the infection prevention world in terms of collaboration and camaraderie and community. And that's something that is really attractive to me and is keeping me very highly engaged in the field. Um, and not only in infection prevention, but with APIC Minnesota, that is our local Minnesota chapter, chapter of APIC. Um, and we're kind of a unique chapter and maybe I'm stealing Mandy's thunder here. Uh, I don't wanna spill the beans too much about APIC Minnesota, but we're kind of a unique chapter. We're, we're one of the larger chapters in the country. We cover the entire state of Minnesota, uh, which is good for us rural IPs like me because it gets me into those conversations. It gets me into that community of some of the IPs in the metro area and, and Mayo Clinic uh, that have more experience than I do and have a lot of resources. So it's been really fantastic to get into that community of IPs and learn and share and grow. And so I think I'm gonna be hanging around the infection prevention world for quite some time. That's great. Uh, before we jump over to Mandy's background, um, Eric shared a really awesome statistic with us before we started recording. So how many influenza vaccines have you guys done? Oh, so far, and we just started uh, because I cover employee health and infection prevention. So I kind of dropped the ball and got started a little later than I usually do. Uh, but in about the last three weeks, myself and my direct colleague, uh, we've given over 400 influenza vaccinations so far. So we'll probably be giving about another 400 before we kind of taper things off yet. So that's awesome. Really, really getting the flu shots in. Yeah. Yeah, great. Um, are you doing COVID at the same time? So locally, um, employee health is not doing COVID. So our pharmacy services manage the COVID vaccines, which quite frankly, I'm happy with because uh, that's one less thing for me to manage and do. But <laughs> quite a few people are getting their COVID shots as well with the updated boosters. And there seems to be a lot of interest in getting those boosters in. Outstanding. Yeah. All right. So let's turn it over to Mandy. Um, give us a little bit of your background and how you got into uh, being an IP. 
Yeah. Hi, Mandy Halverson. So uh, my background, I'm trained as um, infectious disease epidemiologist. I got my uh, MPH from University of Minnesota and I went into IP um, not too long after graduation. So I've been um, in IP since 2017. I started in acute care. Um, I worked for a pretty large Metro Hospital here in Minneapolis, um, and I've bopped around at a few of the other sites since then. Um, but currently, I work as uh, a quality director for a behavioral health services company. So, big transition in the last six-ish months for me. So, big, big learning curve. I really appreciate all the behavioral health and pediatric folks who've been supporting me because it's been a very new avenue of infection prevention for me. Um, how I got into IP, uh, I started. Uh, thinking I was going to go to medical school, I think like many IPs do. So I got a biology degree and a neuroscience degree and didn't really know what to do with them. I was working as a medical scribe uh, in an emergency room in one of our local area hospitals in St. Paul and um, just kind of stumbled upon epidemiology. I loved, you know, the, the kind of evidence-based approach and the ability to use um, math and and literature and everything to back your, your decision making, et cetera, in, in healthcare. So that's kind of just where I wound up and then uh, wound up actually in infection prevention, just covering some maternity leaves and it stuck. So here we are, however many years later. Um, but I love it. It's been a great field to fall into. I feel like it's something new every single day and um, definitely has challenged my critical thinking skills and and made me a better better employee, better colleague, better everything all around. So really, really love the work, um, despite COVID just absolutely taxing all of us. But yeah, it's been a great field to be in. And um, yeah, now just working on my doctorate in healthcare administration and kind of moving in that direction. So it's, it's great to have that background as I'm working through um, director level positions. So it's been awesome. But yeah, now I'm serving, I feel kind of like Rick does where man, how did I wind up as president of APIC Minnesota? Oh, was I the last name on the list? I don't know, but um, it's, I've been uh, president uh, for this year. I was president, uh, president elect last year um, and I'll serve on the board next year as well. It's a three-year term for us here in Minnesota, like many others, right? So um, yeah, serve as pres serving as president for APIC Minnesota this year and just loving it. It's been really wonderful and it's been awesome having great counterparts like Eric who sits on our conference committee um, to keep me going through this year, so. Very awesome. So I know that you guys invited us to your annual session and we weren't able to go and I'm really bummed we missed it. Um, but would you guys like to, you know, give us a few highlights from the day? I know it was a, it was a big conference. I saw a lot of it on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. I can take that one, Sarah. Um, so our annual conference is held at the end of September every year. This year, it was on the 28th and 29th of September. And this year represented a new venue for us, which was pretty exciting. Um, you know, for many years, we had it at the same venue in the Twin Cities metro area. Uh, this year, we partnered with the North Central States Regional Council of Carpenters in St. Paul, Minnesota. So they have a very large training facility and there's administration offices there, uh, but the Carpenters Union, they, uh, you know, they wanted to partner with us and they have been excellent, excellent partners. So we came together and opened up that space as a new venue and a new kind of conference location. 
And really one of the deciding factors there was that they have a mock hospital set up within their training facilities already. Uh, and we do some training in there already through the, um, the ICRA courses that they do, as well as I believe uh, the basic infection prevention courses have been held over there in the past. And so that mock hospital setup was offered to us to use during the conference, which is a really unique, unique space and unique offering. And that really allowed the conference committee to look at some hands-on training and some hands-on activities that we wouldn't normally be able to do in your typical conference venue. So that was, that was really quite exciting for us. Um, it was held over two days and we had great partnership from our vendors. They were very supportive and great active partners so that we could host speakers. Um, we kind of, I guess the two big things that I was most excited for as part of this conference was we had in-person uh, sessions in the mock hospital for environment of care rounding. And also we had a high level disinfection scope training disinfection session as well. Um, and that was the first year that we have done anything hands-on in person like that. And I helped coordinate the HLD session with scopes. Um, so I, I can talk a little bit more about that in detail if you want, or if you want to guide the discussion somewhere else, Sarah. Hmm, that's awesome. I'm, I'd certainly be interested in how you guys were able to do that and pull that off. There's not a lot of uh places are able to do that hands-on skills training stuff. You know, you sit there and you go to a conference and everybody talks and you listen and you think you can bring it back. And then you're back there staring at the, at what you're supposed to be doing. You're like, now, what were they saying again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and that's, that's always been a challenge for me. Um, all right. So because I don't like to sit still, uh, I like to learn by hands-on and I learn by doing I knew that we had to get something like that into our conference. And so I, as well as being on conference committee, I'm also on the high level disinfection committee uh, for APIC Minnesota, as well as the mental health behavioral committee. Um, so I reached out to the HLD group and said, yeah, you know, I would love to have something hands-on at the conference. What do you guys got? Because these are the people with years and years and years of experience in infection prevention and a lot more knowledge than I have around high-level disinfection. So uh, Matthew Fell and uh, Jennifer Davidson Fellew, uh, they were really instrumental in helping me pull this together. We reached out and had some vendor contacts. Uh, so we worked really closely with Steris and some other contacts that we have from around Minnesota. And Steris was able to kind of help facilitate that. So they brought in scopes and equipment, bore scopes, examples of damaged scopes, exploded scopes, and kind of like torn apart scopes so that we could actually see the inside of the scopes. Um, so we ended up having three different kind of stations uh, where they had equipment set up and Steris presented information and kind of walked us attendees through the stations. And that's where we got to do the hands-on portion of the learning. So actually being able to look hands-on under lighted magnification to identify different examples of damaged scopes. Um, 
as well as getting that lecture piece to it too of how these scopes get damaged and what to look for and you know how do we remedy these scopes um, as well as getting in with a boroscope and actually seeing examples of bends and scopes and tears in the lumens. So that was a really unique experience. And I think one of the most valuable pieces too was actually running a brush through the channels of the scope. Uh, that's kind of a unique feeling that you can talk all day about if you want to, but you don't really know what it's like until you do it. So that's what we were able to pull together and provide our attendees with this year. And so far, rave reviews. Um, I heard a lot of positive feedback from both the vendors and Steris, uh, as well as all the attendees that went through that section, that they were really excited to get hands-on and you know, talk with the vendors and see the scopes and get that hands-on practice. Yeah, and I'll just add, I think, you know, we've always utilized breakout sessions in our fall conference, and they've always been really wonderful because it is a smaller group that you can do uh, just more concentrated um, things uh, with. But I think what was so great about this year is the new venue really did challenge us to try and come up with some new concepts. And one of my personal favorites um, that I attended was actually learning how to read blueprints. Um, the Carpenters Union hosted that one for us. And I mean, I, I definitely have looked at my fair share of blueprints working in very old hospitals, but it was just such a, a great opportunity to partner with them and just get more formal training, I should say, on, on how to read blueprints. So that was something that really came to us as we were touring the venue and then it came to fruition at conference. So um, yeah, I think new venue gave us some really great new ideas for our breakout sessions this year. Yeah, that sounds terrific. I, I Brainstorming how we can try to incorporate some of this into some of the many different programs that we have. I think uh, I have to make sure Kate listens to this, Sarah, and, and get, get some ideas. <laughs> yeah, well, we we're had... always happy to partner with uh, ch other chapters, other members, other organizations, too. That's one of our big um, primary focuses that our board has really been trying to lead this year is how do we be a better community partner locally, but also a better partner nationally for people. So we can be sharing resources a little more readily. So definitely happy to, to help however we can support you. That's awesome. I think that the... The hands-on courses are something that you should propose to National APIC for their meeting. I think that would be a really great addition to what they definitely have floated on. that around at, at National Conference. <laughs> yeah. So if anyone from National APIC is listening, you need to have the classes for hands-on. I know they have the um, like mock-up hospital walkthrough at National, but I think something like your high-level disinfection or your environmental rounding would be awesome. Yeah, that sounds sounds amazing. I agree. I, nothing like learning that way. So we do in the biocontainment unit over and over and over again. We talk about things till we're blue in the face, but until you're actually in there in your equipment trying to move, uh, you know, a person from their stretcher to their bed, you don't get how difficult it is. I mean, and and uh, how many things you can just miss a step because it's you know you're just doing things, and it, it's uh, it's definitely the the best way to to take what you're have just read about or heard about and put it into practice, I think. Yeah. So you guys is um, APIC. I'm, I mean, I imagine you're, as you were talking earlier, you mentioned something about being, you know, dominated by your large urban area. Um, and then in your more, sounds like more rural, North Central, I think you said, um, you know, so how, how, um, 
you know, and you've got a couple of massive academic medical centers and along with, the, you know, a couple of other things that I'm sure kind of dominate the the scene for the most part. But how do you support the rural IPs or people that are doing IP, like maybe it's a half of their job because they're doing other things or whatnot? Do you feel like you guys have a good setup for that? It's one of the things that we're, you know, trying really hard to do in Nebraska's a little bit similar to Minnesota. You guys have more people overall and, and whatnot, but we've got, you know, one or two urban centers that dominate where all the specialty care is and, and most of the patients and then a large rural area that's got a bunch of critical access hospitals and, and everything else. Yeah. yeah so maybe, maybe Go I'll ahead, Mandy. First and just kind of say like how we as a board try to approach it and then Eric could maybe kind of say how he feels supported or doesn't and it can be uh i can take it as feedback um so I, I that is really challenging and not even just for rural but how do we be more inclusive of all of our members because it's how do we include our long-term care folks how do we include our you know rural minnesota folks we have people from the dakotas iowa wisconsin i mean a very large portion of our um very active leaders on apic minnesota right now are actually out of wisconsin so it's it is a challenge um and that's been one of our primary focuses as a board this year is how do we be inclusive of all of our members and so um we've been doing a lot to just kind of rebaseline this year we've been looking at what our policies are what our procedures are we had a pretty tight year uh financially we kept things pretty slim so that we could try and reassess like uh, how we wanted to move forward. And we know that there are less opportunities for, um, you know, positions like Eric's to have financial support to come to some of these educational offerings and things. So how can we as a chapter provide more of those supports and resources for our teams? Um, I, I think those are kind of the big ones for us. And then I, th I think the other thing with the inclusivity piece is what are the topics that are actually going to be helpful and useful? So we've been trying as a board to do more listening this year, like I said, just kind of rebaselining, doing more listening, doing kind of an informal needs assessment um, to see what our members want and need from our chapter leadership. Um, that I think that's been our approach and we'll see how it rolls out next year. But um, just a lot of listening this year. And I think just trying to understand like what does like engagement look like for those non uh, urban, non-acute care um, folks, uh, myself included now. So <laughs> um, definitely have a different different lens uh, moving into my last year, my board position here. So yeah, I think that's that's really how my focus as president has been this year. But yeah, I would love um, to hear more from Eric. He's always very um, free-flowing with his commentary uh, around his uh, APIC experience. And I so appreciate it because it really has helped me zero in on things that are actually critical for us this year. That's a that's a very nice way of saying I talk too much, Mandy. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So one of the so first of all, I feel very well supported by APIC Minnesota. Um, our chapter resources and communications, I think, are very readily accessible. Um, all the different committees of APIC Minnesota meet regularly. Um, and because we all work and are busy, you know, those meetings are typically online. I think APIC Minnesota has done a really good job, especially through the pandemic, of transitioning to virtual platforms, which has opened up a lot of accessibility to us rural IPs, because we don't always have the, you know, ability to drive three hours one way to get into the metro to attend a general meeting or, 
you know, to attend an education session that's maybe only an hour long. Um, so the virtual options have really, I think, facilitated that communication and inclusiveness. Um, but also on my end, you know, we have just kind of a, a local region network of infection preventionists, and we all work for different organizations, but uh, we just kind of grassroots networked our way around. And a lot of that actually came out of uh, COVID with, you know, early in the pandemic, communicating facility to facility and saying, hey, what are you guys seeing over there? What are you doing for masking? You know, how's COVID doing in your facility? There are existing structures, but directly IP to IP, having those conversations and making sure we have each other's contact information and just being open to having those relationships, right? So saying like, oh, hey, if you ever have any questions, here's my direct number, here's my cell phone, here's my email. And so we've established a nice little group of uh, IPs that extend from Wadena, Minnesota through Staples, Brainerd, Crosby, Aiken, all the way up to Cloquet. And now uh, just recently after the conference, we added in some IPs from Ely. So uh, just kind of extending all across that very rural Northern region of Minnesota and just emailing back and forth communicating and establishing those relationships. Um, it, it's been very helpful to me. And as we've added some new IPs into that kind of local network, it's a lot of fun too, to just meet people and have conversations and offer that support, right? Because a lot of us are standalone IPs. We don't, a lot of us don't get to work as part of a, you know, 10 or 15 member team. We don't have analysts and all these fancy tools that a large organization might have. So being able to access each other is a community resource and say, oh, hey, what are, um, what are you doing for influenza requirements? Are you going to require your non-vaccinated personnel to mask continuously during respiratory season? So just little things like that really helps build those relationships and keeps us engaged and involved and make sure that we have access to everything we need. Yeah, and I think one of the other really unique things um, around the Minnesota chapter um, is just how much education that we have for our members. So I know not every chapter does a basic infection prevention course, and that's something that we developed internally, and we have offered it twice a year, basically every year other than COVID. And even then, we really worked hard <laughs> to get offerings out to our 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 folks. So we have that basic infection prevention course, we do our fall conference, and then Eric alluded to some of our committees. I mean, we have a plethora of committees. We have our HLD task force, we have um, emerging infections group, which of course was extremely active during COVID and kept all of us um, across the state in alignment and informed with the happenings between MDH and the counties and all of our teams and big systems. So that was a lot to navigate. Um, you know, we have uh, groups around uh, international committee that, you know, partner internationally to do work um, there. We have an ambulatory group, long-term care, education, I mean, we have just any type of committee you could want. And we, we have members now, some of our, our newer folks um, who want additional representation around things like sustainability and um, how climate change could impact infection prevention. And how do we incorporate that into what we're doing as a chapter locally or um, you know, how do we incorporate DEIB locally here, not just at what National is doing, but what we bring back here.
here. So I think those are some of the other supports that we're bringing strong to, to every member as we can. Yeah, as an ID doc, I recognized one of those places that you mentioned, Eric, the, the brainer, that's the only place that meant anything. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but that's all good. And so I'm glad you brought up some of the other things. So my, you know, my initial question was kind of about, you know, mostly focused on acute care, but you mentioned long-term care. And some of the other places that had gaps, especially noted during the pandemic that we talked about, where, you know, long-term care to LTACs, but also schools um which is a you know a big place and then sarah's passion is dental um which is another place that you know an airborne illness you know really brought to the forefront that we need to look at things different from there and so you know in nebraska we've really started to get programs ramped up with that and, and dialysis as well um and so i'm sure that you guys have touched on some of these as well in some of your programs and outreach and getting infection prevention involvement in those places as well how has that gone for you guys you know those are kind of not it's, it's much more traditional and easier to think about it in an acute care hospital right you know it's not quite as easy in some of those locations and even ambulatory because you've got so many small operations that it's just different. Yeah, I can, I'll jump in a little bit because I actually worked for um, a place in Minneapolis here called Hennepin County Medical Center where I did dental dialysis. I worked at the jail. I did, you know, like a lot of non-traditional IP settings. And so um, I think we have a lot of our larger systems that do have all of those practices. So I think it, it really is in the forefront of our mind to just continuously be bringing those things forward. And we have a really fantastic education committee and education committee chair this year who's been very dedicated to bringing in some of those um, kind of IP, you know, maybe non-traditional topics that we all talk about. HLD, for example, is just constant, right? But getting into some of the dental and some of the ambulatory challenges. And I think we've spent more time um, this year than in the past really talking about practicality of um, what IP practice can be, right? And so I, I've really appreciated that. And, and I, you know, gosh, we're reaching out to what Indian Health Services is going to be, uh, you know, is a partner with us now that is a newer one for us than in the past. I'm really excited about that. And I know we have a lot of members very involved in OSAP for the dental components and um, partnering with our um, very active Minnesota Department of Health. They're, they're bringing a lot of their One Health topics forward. Um, so I think we're still just kind of exploring what all those partnerships can look like and making sure that we're just fielding any suggestions or requests from our members to meet those educational needs or find some kind of subject matter expert. Um, I know, for example, one really great work group that started last year um, when I was chairing the HLD committee was around uh, eye instruments and how you reprocess eye instruments. And so as part of our high level disinfection committee that Eric um, had just chatted about earlier, uh, came this kind of little task force of a handful of people from the state of Minnesota who got together and just worked through um, what they were doing at their different facilities and then actually brought forth some um, practice recommendations. So that's um, that was a really fun one that we got to do this past year. That's awesome. So uh, Mandy, I know you're acting president right now. What do you see for the future year of APIC Minnesota? Mm, great question. Um, 
I guess a few things. So I think, you know, like a lot of our chat and I, maybe I've hit on some of them a bit already, but I think like a lot of other chapters, we're still just trying to navigate this quote unquote post COVID world, whatever that looks like. Um, and I think our biggest challenge right now and what we're trying to navigate for this next year is what role really should we as a local chapter play um, for our members and understanding like what our role is versus APIC National versus you know, employers versus organizations, you know, public health departments, like, what does that look like? And so we've spent a lot of time as a board just trying to decide what that vision and mission um, for us is. And so, you know, with that came some of the pieces I mentioned of like, how do we be more inclusive for our members? And how do we provide opportunity? And how do we be better community partners um, and, and do more strategic partnership? And then I think the the big one that we're going to spend some time on in 2024 here is just really ensuring we're offering the right type of professional support to our members. So like some of the educational offerings that I already mentioned, our basic infection prevention course, our fall conference, like what can we do to keep revamping those to make sure that they're not becoming stagnant, that they're they're remaining good resources for all of our members and not just our acute care urban folks, right? Um, how do we increase, you know, professionalization in our field? How do we get more people certified? How do we help contribute to a pipeline for infection prevention that doesn't exist right now? Um, so I think those are really the big focus items for us. Uh, you know, some of the fun ones, we're still trying to figure out how to, like I said, partner more effectively with other chapters and organizations and things like that. Um, and then I think just a focus on kind of the back burner right now as we're navigating all those things is just how do we also incorporate all of these resources that are coming at us constantly and and make that make sense for our our community so yeah it's long-winded answer but there we are that is our focus for 20 end of 2023 beginning of 2024 as i transition out of president and into the past president uh, board position you guys are doing a great job you got a lot of stuff going on we do. <laughs> We're very active. And I uh, came in, I think, a little too rambunctious, but here we are. We're making it work. It it takes those rambunctious people, though, on a board to make stuff happen. So I think, you know, I have seen too many times on boards where people aren't inviting to new members. They don't want to hear any new ideas. Things just stagnate. So it's really awesome to hear how much you guys have going on, how welcoming you are to new members, and how much support you're trying to provide to them. Um, so yeah, I wish you the best for the next year. Yeah, thank you. I'll say, you know, when I started in IP in 2017, I it was just a different environment. I'll say, like, and I didn't really know anyone coming in, and I just like would go to meetings and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm way too scared to talk to anyone. And like I would just kind of like sit in the corner and like absorb whatever I could. And um finally started like working up more and more courage and like people were more willing to connect with me and you know I think like with the transition of COVID and the transition to this more like hybrid world and like being able to connect you know virtually a lot more I think the climate of our chapter just has really profoundly changed and it feels like I think Eric alluded to this too it just feels so much more welcoming and um it, it's just easier to navigate I would say so it's been, it's been fun. I think everyone on the board is more used to my antics now at this point too. So it helps. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, IP is kind of interesting. You know, it's one of the things that when you're 
in medicine, you know that it happens and you know that it's there and you notice the signs and you notice the, you know, all those things. But when you actually start doing it, you, you I mean, you, you have no idea how involved and intricate and it, it's interwined in everything that's done, at least it should be, right? And I don't, I think it, you know, it, it, I think Eric mentioned it before, you know, all happy to be there and everything else. And then all of a sudden you're getting fed with a fire hose because there's a bunch of stuff that you, it happens and you just don't even know that it's happening. And, and then, you, and now all of a sudden you're the expert and it's, uh, it's, it's something. So it's great to have all that support that you guys sound like you have. You guys sound like you have a great, great system, great community of, of IPs that work together. And that's, that's terrific. One question, you mentioned that you know you have people from Wisconsin and, and the Dakotas and whatnot. Do they have APIC um, chapters too? And are they super active? It just happens to be a little bit closer to you guys on the borders or how does that exactly work? Yeah, it depends like geographic region, right? So um, you can also plug for APIC Minnesota, uh, you can also elect to be a member of any chapter you would like to be a member of. So uh, for limited, limited time only, folks, it's only $25 to join APIC Minnesota. It goes up to 30 at the start of the new year. So um, if you want to take advantage of our resources, please feel free to join our chapter. We'd love, love, love to have you. And as Eric said, we try to do more and more virtual so that we can um, have a, a further reach. But yeah, it just all depends on the region. I know that there, I don't know all the chapters, so I'm not going to embarrass myself here. But um, you know, Wisconsin does have a chapter. I know that there's like the Great Plains chapter for like the more Western side of the Dakotas, but um, we have several people from the Dakotas, for example, who have that membership and ours or from Wisconsin who have that membership and ours. So um, you can definitely do that. Highly encourage it. Um, and we are working to, to partner with our regional um, APIC chapters a bit more too. So yeah, certainly the more the the merrier include everybody and spread the word. I think that's terrific. Exactly. Yes. With everyone's unlimited funding to be in all the APIC, <laughs> right. APIC chapters that they want to, right? <laughs> so Eric, I'm curious as a more rural focused IP, I know oftentimes, at least we here in Nebraska, like every, you feel like you're on an island by yourself, right? Um, so how has your membership into APIC supported all of the things that you do on a daily basis? Yeah, thank you. It <clears throat> Being a rural IP, you can often feel like you're on an island. Um, and active participation in APIC has really helped me feel like I'm part of a, a bigger community. Um, in terms of my own team, I am fortunate to work with a fairly large rural team through Essentia Health, and I have access to wonderful, wonderful resources through Essentia, so I'm pretty happy with that. Um, but I also work directly with all of our smaller rural IPs in the, in the north central Minnesota area. Um, so just trying to get connected with our local chapter resources. For me in particular, I really like getting involved in person. Um, and that's where, you know, I'm a chatty Cathy. So I go around and I ask people where they're from and, oh, what do you do? Do you do employee health? What, what are you guys doing? What projects are you working on? And so I try to uh, kind of grease the wheels socially like that and get people, get people talking and get people to connect. 
And that's been really rewarding for me. And it, it's it's fun, you know, when you know that like, okay, yep, I know who so-and-so is in this town. Um, and just trying to get people connected with resources. So if I encounter a resource that's either coming through Essentia or I get an email, hey, this great webinar is gonna be offered. You know, I have a whole email list of all these regional IPs and I send it on down the line and say, hey, not sure if you guys heard about this, but here's a great resource. And so I'm sure they have me sending stuff directly to their spam folders with how often I'm doing that. But I do think it helps. It, it helps with that personal touch, getting to know who your neighbors are, getting to know what the regional issues are. Um, and I've been trying to get a little bit more active in the community as well. I mean, just as a personal initiative, right? So like calling the local county jail and just cold calling them and saying, hey, who's the jail nurse on today? Because we have patients that show up in my area and uh, they come over from the jail, you know, and vice versa. And we send people to the jail back and forth. And that's that's an area that I think is frequently forgotten about in the infection prevention world. And they have many of the same challenges as the rest of our healthcare facilities do. Uh, any Anytime you congregate people into uh, walls and a ceiling, you can have infectious control issues. So just trying to build those relationships and say, hey, this is who I am. You know, I know we don't, work for the same organization, but if you guys have an issue and you want to know some questions or you're trying to get in touch with people, I'm somebody you can get in touch with and we'll work together on this. Um, and just trying to coalition build and reach across the aisle as it were and, and make sure that I have contacts and uh, connections all throughout kind of our area of operations. I think that's been really successful and getting me more resources, but also building those connections and hopefully offering resources to other people. Yeah. And now for me as like a sole practitioner, I'm still in it, you know, I'm in Minneapolis, St. Paul proper. Um, but I, I think now being just a solo practitioner, very different than what, I, what I've been used to in the past. Like it, it's really nice. Just like, you know, I went to conference and I'm like, Hey, so-and-so I know you're working on this can you help me with my business proposal for X, Y, and Z? And like, they'll have ideas for you, you know? And like, you do, just like what Eric said, you just learn who does what, especially when you're participating in the committees. I mean, you're participating in different task force or, or things like, it, it just really helps you tap into those resources. And even taking our basic infection prevention course, we give you the list of all the attendees who were there with you. And so you kind of have that built-in network from the start of your IP career moving forward. We build in a little bit of a safety net for you that you can keep growing into as you move through your career. So it's been, I think it's been really great um, to just know that people are, are tapping on the resources as Eric just mentioned. Makes, makes me feel like we're accomplishing good things as a board this year. So <laughs> thanks, Eric. No, I, I think the chapter is doing a fantastic job. And um, I will say, though, that I, I don't plan on the chapter resting on its laurels, as it were. Uh, I even though I'm not chapter president and I'm not on the board, um, I see great things for our chapter and I wanna keep continuing to push our chapter into new areas of development and you know, on how we can support the infection prevention community. Um, I know we've had great conversations about how do we start getting university students or university professors and, and not just from the Metro area, but from all over Minnesota, okay, like 
hey, have we invited nursing professors from Bemidji or Duluth or Fargo? Have, have we invited people to these meetings? Do they even know we exist? Because like they want to see their students succeed and how can we pipeline people into infection prevention if they don't know it's even a job, if they don't know we exist and what, what it's like. So trying to open up those connections as well, because you never know either, right? I mean, you may have a student, a nursing student or a you know, master's of public health student that comes to a infection prevention meeting or an APIC Minnesota meeting and they're just kind of like, oh yeah, that's that's nice, but it's not really for me. And then five years, 10 years later, they stumble into an infection prevention position or they stumble into an epidemiology position. You know, that knowledge may really come in handy for them later in their career. So we're trying to just sow those seeds of connection and knowledge with newer people and people who haven't traditionally been involved in our communities. So and definitely our ID doctors, for all of the ID doctors who listen, we want you to participate with your IPs, be <laughs> like Mayo, their ID doc is very present with them. And then um, our antimicrobial stewardship pharmacists too. We'd love to just see more participation from all of those folks. So any ideas on how to partner there more effectively? We are all ears. <laughs> awesome. So I know we are getting close to the top of the hour. Um, and you guys are both listeners of the podcast, so you know at the end of the episode, we give you an opportunity to ask us a question. Do you guys have questions for us? I feel, Eric, you should be prepared for this. <laughs> I I should be prepared with a really hard question for you, but I wasn't coming here to grill you guys, so... <laughs> Sarah gets all the hard questions. I, I do end up with all the hard questions. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, this is just kind of a general question. What are you seeing in Nebraska that's working with connecting with your rural IP audience? And maybe you guys can update us on any Nebraska chapters of APIC and what you see locally in the Nebraska region in terms of uh, what's interesting, new, fun, in the infection prevention world. But I really am interested in knowing how you guys are connecting with rural IPs and rural practices in Nebraska, because I've I've been through Nebraska more than a few times. And uh, it's, again, it's like many parts of Minnesota and Iowa and, and the Dakotas where you have concentrations of rural act or you have concentrations of urban activity and then everywhere else. <laughs> a whole lot of nothing out there, isn't there? So Rick, do you want to talk about the NICN course that's like tomorrow? Yeah, so we, that's fine. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, we have a few different things. Um, I can't speak too much about APIC. Sarah can probably talk more about our APIC chapter and activities than I can. But um, I mean, as far as NICN, so NICN is Nebraska Infection Control Network, which was started way back in 1980 by uh, Dr. Smith when he, uh, you know, shortly after he got here from Wisconsin, of all places. Um, and it, he was the first ID doc in the state. So started this, uh, it basically is completely dedicated to education. Um, and so um, we have uh, representatives throughout the state that are uh, experts in infection prevention and they're on the board. And twice a year, we've had a 
uh, a course, a primary care, uh, primary infection uh, control course, infection prevention course. And then there's also an, a more advanced course that I think is annually. We just had Sarah's first dental course um, about a month ago or so. I can't remember, time goes by too fast. Um, and so that whole that whole operation is set up for completely education and support of infection preventions. And so one of my things is, as president this year that I've, I've tried to do is um, one of the struggles we're having is uh, retaining um, infection pre preventionists, especially in our critical access settings or, or long-term care settings and things like that. So we're trying to figure out ways to support them with more education and, and basically just more having support available to them so that they know they're not out on the island. I think that's the one of the hardest parts. Uh, you know, and Mandy's living that now, but thankfully she's experienced. So she knows what she's doing as opposed to somebody who really doesn't have that background and has no ID doc around, no close infection preventionist that they maybe know. So that's kind of one of our big things that we're working on. We also have um, an ICAP program, ICAP ASAP program, that is very active in the state, um, was very active in long-term care during COVID, but also has arms in acute care and, and schools and dental and and, uh, and dialysis. And, and so frequent contacts with um, all of the IPs um, uh, happen with, uh, you know, webinars and everything else. So I, I think we have a pretty robust um, amount of education and support for IPs if they can, you know, just know where to look and and, and try to find it. Um, it may maybe not all in one place, but there's a lot of it. I think well, I also want to highlight that the NICN course that's this week is being held in Kearney this time. So it is in the western half of Nebraska. And, you know, that gives an opportunity to those IPs to actually come in person to a course and not have to drive three, five, seven hours to get there. Um, so it's going to be a party in Kearney in a couple days. <laughs> Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Rick mentioned the dental course, which I was really excited about, um, that NICN even entertained the idea of hosting a dental course, but I think it was very successful. And we also did a hands-on workshop there as well on um, how to work in a sterile field in dentistry, because that's not something that's normally taught in dental assisting school. And so, you know, if you work in an office where they're placing implants or an oral surgery practice, something that has to be done, but we don't get normal training on it. So I think it was pretty awesome. I love that. I'm just thinking back to my past life and acute care and like thinking through all of our specialty clinics that did procedures and like the training or lack thereof of sterile fields and our dental clinic. Yeah, you're spot on there. I love that. I, I do have, my question was um, related to what Rick was just talking about of um, how all the resources are kind of spread all over the place. And that's something that we've been struggling with. You know, we have a very active ICAR um, program here in Minnesota at MDH, similar to your ICAP program. And I think between like ICAR and then, you know, we have some of our counties doing work and then APIC doing work and our organizations doing work and Project First Line and North Carolina is very, like, I, I think my question is, you know, how are you all in your state 
you know, trying to remedy some of that to, to bring the resources together more effectively. Cause I know we're really struggling with that. Um, I think even just getting the resources to talk to each other some of the times, like, Hey, you're both yeah. doing the exact same thing. And we're the ones practicing. So we're seeing that you should go talk to each other. You know? Absolutely. And that's a huge part of it. I think um, anytime ICAP works on taking on a new project that could be a project of another organization, um, like the hospital association or, you know, whatever, we try to reach out to them and just communicate like, Hey, this is what we're seeing. We would like to start doing this. Do you have anything that you're already working on or any resource that you already are using that we could just plug in? Um, we're also very fortunate that uh, most of our ICAP team is active in other places. So like Dr. Starlin and Kate are both on NICN. So we share resources there often. Um, you know, our, our former medical director, Dr. Ashraf is now the state, state HAIAR medical director. <laughs> so, you know, we have regular communication with the state and, you know, are you working on this project? Is this something that ICAP needs to work on? So, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot that goes into resource management and sometimes it's very overwhelming. All right, so we're at the top of the hour. Is there anything else that you guys wanted to talk about? No, I just thank you so much for having us. And like I said, we're here for any listener to just tap on us and participate, um, engage with our resources, anything. Awesome. Yeah, Eric, I cut you off, go ahead. <laughs> no, quite all right, Mandy. Um, I just also wanted to give a shout out to a very similar organization, the Minnesota Sterile Processing Association, or MinSPA. Um, I think a lot of us in the infection prevention world would be well served by actively participating, not only in APIC and local chapter events, but also getting uh, at, at least some involvement into either HSPA or your local chapter, chapter of HSPA. Um, lots of kindred spirits in those spaces and certainly for hospital care and acute care, um, very important to our patients and to our work. So, and they also have conferences, education content and similar resources that may be helpful in your journeys. So again, just trying to give shout outs to kindred spirits and people with resources. I really thank you both, Sarah and Rick, for having us on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah we'll happy International Infection Prevention Week, huh? Yes, it is IP Week. Yay. Happy IP Week to all of the IPs out there. All right. Thanks so much to both of you for being on. And for our listeners, we will catch you on the next episode of Dirty Drinks. Bye, everyone. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. If you enjoyed this content, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to be a part of the conversation by following us at dirty underscore drinks on Twitter. If you would like to share your story, reach out to us through Twitter to become a guest on future episodes. We would love to meet you. Have a great week and make sure to get your fill of dirty drinks.